Hi, this is Megan McHugh, and this is the podcast of Triple R Zero G, a weekly radio show exploring science fiction, fantasy, and historical. Zero G is broadcast live on Triple R from Melbourne, Australia, every Monday. Hope you enjoy the podcast, and feel free to get in touch with us via our Facebook page or the Triple R website. G'day, welcome aboard the Starship Zero G science fiction, fantasy and historical radio for episode number 1277 entitled The Adventures of Batty Woman. <laughs> Our podcast title is Harley Done with Podden. Mm, <laughs> I had to work at that one. <laughs> I am Rob Jan. And Megan McHugh. And here we are for another hour of science fiction, fantasy and historical radio. Mm. And thank you to Kick Like a Girl, which is an entirely appropriate subtitle for today's yes, episode. Yes, now we're kicking kneecaps instead of Sharon's. Yes. Actually, we, sh- we, we can't say Kick Like a Girl because these are all women. Yes. Oh, no, there's one girl in there. There's actually yes. a girl, yes. Uh, and that's Birds of Prey. Mm. The oh, I can't go remember. on, say the full title, say the full title, and the fantabulous emancipation of one Harley Quinn. Like, I get it, it's a good title in some ways, but yeah. it's also a marketing fail because that's just don't I just don't think you should name you need people to punters need a very easy. They need to be spoon-fed a title, in my opinion. No, but it's fun if you're trying to review it and you have to keep spelling it out. <laughs> Say the whole thing. They did actually uh, rejig the title. Yeah, they did. So it would be more clear. So, mm. so on to uh, – we'll start off with actually Star Trek Picard. Mm, yes. Before I get beam into there, into that neck of the woods, uh, also because I'm watching Star Trek Picard on Amazon Prime. Yes, we've been both poking around a little more in that since we uh, <laughs> <laughs> launched with Picard. Yeah, I mean, in the, you know, the first – month was free it's like the first one's free exactly that's how they so, get you and yeah. then you see this nugget and then that nugget and well, next thing i did see a nugget there mm. um the 1954 bbc television production of george orwell's 1984 oh, and that's I, on there. I had no idea it was on there and huh. i don't understand quite why it's there um <laughs> And this is the one that stars Peter Cushing mm-hmm. as Winston Smith. Peter Cushing, of course, uh, Professor Van Helsing in so many of those Hammer Horror movies. And also uh, Doctor Who. He played Doctor Who in two movies in the 1960s. Uh, or, or The Doctor, you know what I mean. Okay. <laughs> and this is the adaptation by Nigel Neal, mm. uh, the creator of a lot of 1950s British genre television, mm-hmm. uh, especially the Doctor Who precursor Professor Bernard Quatermass, okay. the lead character of a television series and movies as well. So I was really stoked to see this. The visuals are a bit fuzzy. Yes. It's 1954 television. Uh, and but they're w- well good enough yeah, to yeah. to follow the story, which is of course that chilling dystopia that Orwell describes so well. And, and Neil has done some very intelligent um, pruning to get mm. it down into the teleplay sort of thing. Yep, uh, and it's quite scary and, uh, and incredibly bleak. <laughs> bit too real, yes. Yeah, it is a bit too real. And Peter Cushing does an, a tremendous job as Winston okay. Smith. I'd have you to know. have a look at that. Yeah, it's um, it is vintage television. And it is what it is. I'm not exactly sure how they managed to retain a copy. Actually, mm. this was a big enough deal that they probably did keep a copy rather than junk it. And it's possible they've got the copyright for it somehow or whatever and they've decided they're just going to mm. put but, it on the streaming service. Yeah. Well, just 
I'm so stoked to be able to see that. This is the value of streaming services. It is true. I do like that we do get a more, a wider breadth of content. I remember, you know, going down to the local Video Easy, I wasn't always guaranteed to find mm. sort of the maybe some of the more retro titles. Mm. But, um, yeah, I think streaming has made it a little more accessible to get some of those old, mm. and old I was, nuggets. I was having a good think about... Um, the fact that they do cost money mm. uh, and they're all various. I'm not quite sure which one is the cheapest one at the moment in terms of monthly fees. Mm. But um, I can tell you there are two free, free streaming services that I discovered. This is just probably everyone else knows about them, but, <laughs> but Tubi. Yes. And one. one which I thought, my smart telly before, Popcorn. You know, so there's, a, there's another one called, uh, is it Snag or um, something like that? Okay. Or Crackle. Yeah, there's right. crackle. <laughs> there is also one that you can access. It's sort of a library service streaming yeah. one. So if you have a library membership, um, you can access all of the digital titles. It's called Canopy with a K. Mm-hmm. That's another good one to check out. They have a lot of good content as yeah, well. Yeah, so, and I found heaps of uh, genre stuff on there. Okay, on the free <laughs> ones, there's a whole lot of rubbish. Yeah. But, but you know, but- there is... Sometimes when you want to watch those kind of films. Exactly. And I also <laughs> think, you know, free. Yeah. And, of course, we've got the uh, – every television station now has its own attendant yes. uh, catch-up, you know, and, and mm-hmm. iView is great for the, the ABC. And SBS On Demand is tremendous. Yes. It has so much great stuff on there. Yeah. It's nice to just have a little poke around and see what's, what's available. Hmm. So I just thought I'd say, you know, if you can't afford these things – and and they're starting to mound up. Yeah, like absolutely. A, like a zombie horde. It's true. Um, there are alternatives. Yeah, legal, there are. Yes. Legal alternatives. <laughs> exactly. There's plenty of good content and there are some good cheap free ways mm. to do it. Now, on to Star Trek Picard, which mm. is on Amazon Prime. Yes. Uh, we're five episodes in. Mm. Uh, this is the latest, latest uh, incarnation of the Star Trek uh, series the movies seem to have stalled for the moment mm-hmm. those reboot ones so we're back in the original star trek universe yeah um forwards of where we've been before in anything except a time travel story yes uh, in fact i think they actually have time traveled to this particular period once before at least in uh, in the star trek history uh five episodes in for the first season and the second season has been greenlit um admiral retired Jean-Luc Picard is seeking atonement for his decade past failure to complete the evacuation of Romulan refugees. Mm-hmm. I like to say that. Romulan refugees. It's, it's almost like a Scooby-Doo thing. From a cataclysmic event that devastated their empire. Now, he's trying to protect a single being now, having failed to protect the millions. Yes. An android, uh, the twin to one which he's also failed to save. Mm-hmm. He's just such a failure, Jean-Luc. Uh, uh, from Romulan assassins that came in to attack it. At least we think they're Romulans. I'm pretty sure they are because we do see their ears. Interesting. Okay. The twins were the creation of a project designed to replicate the success of Commander Data, the android who was Picard's former science officer aboard two Starship Enterprises. And good friend. And good friend. (laughs) And and, um, fellow tea drinker. I actually don't know if he drank tea too. (laughs) The second twin is aboard the Artifact, Mm. a shattered Borg cube that's being studied out in deep space by Romulan researchers. Denied permission at the highest level to rejoin Starfleet to undertake his mission to the artifact, Picard assembles a ragtag crew aboard an independent starship to journey out there. I love a ragtag crew. I love an independent starship. (laughs) This is the second new, brand new science fiction series that I've seen recently 
where you would say, you know, you could just swap out the crew of the Serenity. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Give Mel Reynolds a Which go. Which I'm fine with. I'd be I'm fine, fine with, with that. that. What's the other one? Um, oh, is it that spoof one that you liked? Uh, the awful. Mm. No, they're, they're too. No, no, they're too Starfleet. Oh, it was uh, Mandalorian. Mandalorian, yeah, yeah that would work too. Our yeah. old friend. <laughs> so you just say, you know, they just call them in. I know, I'm just, <laughs> I, I'm too much of a brown coat. Okay, so um, one of his former officers, who was also on the beach as part of the crew, mm. a scientist who studies androids, is along for the ride. An unorthodox space captain who's got a tendency to crew his ship with holographic variants of himself. And a Romulan assassin who was raised by warrior nuns. Great. Perfect. (laughs) So, look, the nostalgia is pushed to the stops in this, as we've talked about before. Along the way, they'll run into Bruce Maddox, another scientist who work with androids. And this is a big call back into the past of of Star Trek Next Gen. Uh, Seven of Nine. Ah. The former Borg from Star Trek so, Voyager. Yeah, right. She's now a ranger. Uh, and I don't mean flowers. She's policing beyond the borders of the Federation. Mm-hmm. Apparently they have people mm-hmm. who do that. Okay. Uh, there's Hugh, another former Borg. Mm-hmm. Um, William Riker and Deanna Troy will appear. Wow. Uh, Mr. Data has appeared in Dreams so yep, far. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's a grittier story. It's operating... Around, I would say, later Deep Space Nine levels, a mm. bit more graphic because they're not on network telly, technically speaking. Yes, we're no longer bound by. I think, and I think, it's a lot of reboots maybe go down a little darker path and mm. have a little bit more. There's a very strong story arc mm-hmm. to this, um, <laughs> and some of the characters are great. Like I, I, I don't know where I stand yet here on the on the. Uh, the warrior Romulan monk, <laughs> Elnor, who's a, like a lethal sort of elf warrior. Mm-hmm. Uh, not very wise in the ways of the actual world. So they're getting a lot of play out of that. You know, I don't understand. Oh, it's, the old you know, Captain America thing. Yeah, a little bit like um, like Data himself, actually. Mm. Uh, Seven of Nine, it's, it's just wonderful to see her again. She was one of the, the great characters from Voyager that mm. I enjoyed having around all the time. Mm. Um and Picard, he puts on an outrageous French accent <laughs> for, a, so good. for a disguise in this, which it does my head in. <laughs> I think he even wears it. He wears an eye patch and a beret. <laughs> oh, Picard. Um, because they go out into space, they don't take the two Romulan uh, uh, Telshia, Telshia spies that were uh, Picard's staff in mm. Chateau Picard. Uh, who are formidable fighters themselves. Oh, okay. But they, don't, they don't take them. Mm. So, you know. Someone's got to protect Chateau Picard. Yes. Make sure the next vintage wine comes in. Mm-hmm. Um, the Easter eggs are a, a lot of fun. I mean, apart from those people, I mean, one of the characters, uh, Picard's old officer, um, Raffi, she lives at Vasquez Rocks, mm-hmm. which is that desert rocky location outside of L.A., that so many cowboy movies and Star Trek have been filmed at. Nice, you know. nice. Whenever they go to a desert planet. Yeah. Kirk, Kirk famously battled the Gorn there in um, original Trek. Uh, I, I saw in um, this week's episode, last week's episode, uh, a nod to Quark's bar from Deep Space Nine oh. and there was a little musical riff from Voyager. Oh. Uh, and and I, I swear, this may be only me, folks, but I swear that the shuttles on Earth make a, a little trilling noise like the Jetsons flying car, sort of like a... <laughs> maybe it is. Yeah, maybe it is. 
I think this this series is really speaking to Earth's troubled history with mm. AIs, computers, robots, and cyborgs, um, which of course culminated in the attack on Mars, which appears to be the work of synthetics, androids gone rogue. Yep. Uh, I think they've been they've been getting into that at every chance. Well, like they've got the Borg for starters, there the holograms on the starship, the uh, a vivisectionist who dismantles former Borg for spare parts without anaesthetic. Yeah, yeah, not a not a nice person. Um, so yeah, I, I'm actually very appreciative of this show. How far in are you? Five episodes, I think, and I think from the look, there's about seven that are released, and it'll be eventually ten. Not so. seven of not seven of no. nine. No. Seven of ten. Seven of ten. Um, and it's week by week, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So they're really, I think, because it's originally it is on network, so it's on CBS, and then they release it on mm. Amazon Prime for us. Look, look, I applaud the bold experiment of the um, the alternate universe, mm. the, the Kelvin timeline, mm. with Chris Pine and 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 yes. Carl Urban and. Uh, that's, you know, all those other great mm. actors who informed the cast of that. I think they're so, you know, so well cast. That it was a lot of fun, of yeah. Movies. If they if they don't do any more set in that universe, I'm happy. Yeah. Um, yep. I'm not against reboots when they're done well, and and two thirds of that was. I like too when it has something different to offer, or it takes a different perspective. Like I think. Sort of from what I've seen, if Picard is doing that, and you know, like Mandalorian did that for the Star Wars canon, yeah. it took a different approach, and and so I like when there's something new. It's not just another regurgitation. Mm. Um, and I do think even the movies had something fresh to say, even though it was a pretty piece by piece, you know, replica. But and you know. they were kind of, I think, I feel like they ultimately were handicapped by having to repeat, yeah, events out of context or in bits and pieces, yeah. or and I, I just. I'm in such a di- it's such a dichotomy for me there because I firmly believe that once a, once a franchise um, reaches a certain point, it is able to recast and go back. Yeah, you yeah. Know? Like, yep. and I think actually Discovery works really well doing that mm, with, mm. with its new new cast and everything. But you know, I'm talking about Sherlock Holmes, yeah, and Tarzan, and you know when you can when you can recast later on. I think those are different though because the original sort of source material was not the reboot. Like it wasn't yeah. the same medium as the re- you know what I mean. Those are established book. Mm-hmm. Book story, so maybe there's something in where people already come to it with their own perception, so it's sort of they're more forgiving. I, I guess an I example know. of what you were saying about before of um, of like wanting something new, um, Sherlock, mm. set in contemporary times. Yeah. Or uh, what's that other one? The US one. Um, elementary. Elementary. <laughs> I suppose that's it. I see what you're saying is that once characters become so iconic, like Sherlock Holmes, yeah, you can take a different spin on them and. And sort of play around it a little more. And you have multiple ones in play at once. Yeah, exactly. You know, like Elementary and Sherlock and the, and the Robert Downey Jr. movie. Yeah, they were all... Well. I think there would have been one point where they were all on. Yeah. For sure. It's <laughs> um, so bizarre, isn't it? I will say I think Sherlock Holmes is an exception, but... Yeah, maybe. Maybe mm. the exception that proves the rule. But still, I still think that these Star Trek, for, for what they're worth, sort of the new stuff they're doing, enjoyable for the most part. Doctor Who, there's the other example, the prime example. True. But then they, they were clever enough to rebuild their to build their regeneration of the character into, into the, the story. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Oh, we could unpack this for hours. We could, we could. <laughs> All right, so uh, I'd like to play a track here yes. that will um, uh, lead us into our next discussion. Now, this is um, 
It is from a science fiction album, this. It's called Look Across the Sky, the track. Mm-hmm. It's from a band called Deltron 3030, and it's their Event 2 albums. You know how mm-hmm. people like to do that, it's like Event 2. Uh, and the song itself features vocals um, from Mary Elizabeth Winstead, and she's the background sort of vocal in it, and she's got an amazing voice. Uh, I think Quentin Tarantino took advantage of that voice in uh, Death Proof. Ah, uh, yes, Got of to course. do some a cappella, right? Hi, I'm George Takei, and I play Admiral Sulu in Star Trek. Welcome aboard the Starship Zero-G. Admiral? Hey, a guy can dream, can't he? <laughs> hmm. We had the uh, track that I chose to play to riff off of Star Trek Picard and... Uh, our next. Our next film, <laughs> yes. Look Across the Sky featuring Mary Elizabeth Winstead, who was the backing vocals mm. to Deltron 3030 from their Event 2 science fiction album. You can hear that in the lyrics that they're talking about, all sorts of genre concepts. Not genre Luc Picard, though. Now, actually, the, the other track I could play, which I might play later, is one by uh, somebody called Anne Magnuson, who plays Admiral Clancy ah. in Star Trek Picard. Nice. <laughs> She was part of a... Oh, we'll go with that later. Never mind. We'll get get back to it. The thing under discussion here, which is Birds of Prey and the fantabulous emancipation of one Harley Quinn. Also known as Harley Quinn, Colin, Birds of Prey. Yes. Um, You know, actually, maybe... I I have hopes for this movie that it might become a series and then it will make perfect sense to have had a subtitle. Yes. Mm. I mean, I I don't think they'd get Margot in the series, though. You reckon? I, she's at the start of sort of an upward trajectory, I don't think. Yeah. And, I mean, there are some, a lot of fantastic stars that are doing TV now, but I reckon she's a bit, you know, she's she's got her focus. Okay, this is not to be confused with the Birds of Prey television series. No. Uh, which came out in uh, 2002, 2003, uh, but which, of course, did contain much of the same sort of... Um, the tropes of this sure. series and and sort of I don't know if it's exactly the same characters really, but um, yeah, I guess it did. There's some riffs off of this. Although Mark Hamill played the Joker, the Joker's voice in um, in the Birds of Prey uh, <laughs> series. So there's so many different things in this to unpack. But mm. look, they're DC characters, yes, uh, Detective Comics, <laughs> more or less, and. Um, they are characters who've been known for quite some time in those in those universes. So you know they're, they're quite vintage characters by mm. now, uh, especially Harley Quinn and um, Black Canary. Yes. Um, so obviously this is spinning off 2016's Suicide mm. Squad. And she was a popular character, so I can see why they've thought, mm. let's you know go ahead and do this. And look, I'll give it to them. It took Marvel a long time to do a female-led mm-hmm. um, outing in their universe. I mean, I'm not dissing it, but it did take them quite a few movies. And um, these guys have sort of trotted this one out fairly early in the piece. So, And it does have a uh, – the director and the writer are both female. So mm-hmm. that's kind of good that we're, you know, we're not just getting some old white guy to write this story. <laughs> and all of the uh, the action pretty much is driven Mm. by 
uh, events tied into the, the women of the title. Yes. Which is, I think is great. It's directed by Kathy Yan, mm. who was um, born in China, raised in uh, the United States, then moved to Hong Kong when she was 14. So she's had a bit of backwards and forwards in there. Um, she's also a screenwriter and producer, and mm. she did a comedy drama called Dead Pigs in 2018, <laughs> which is about dead pigs in uh, floating down the, uh, the Huang Pu River. <laughs> I mean, there, yeah. <laughs> okay. Uh, and she won an award at uh, Sundance for ensemble acting. Now, I reckon that would recommend you mm. to uh, the DC producers for that. Mm. Mm. Um, God knows they could use some good power moves. <laughs> uh, Christina Hodson is a screenplay writer, uh, a screenwriter, who's uh, – she did Bumblebee. Ah, the re- the newish Transformers, Transformers yeah, one, which, which was actually quite was good. good. Yeah, <laughs> the surprise <laughs> the on surprise. Rob's face when he, it was good. Yeah, I, <laughs> but it was it sort of did a fresh thing and mm. wasn't sort of just trying to retrot out the old formula. And, and she's a, a a black star on the blacklist. Mm. You know, the annual list of Hollywood's best liked unproduced screenplays. Ah, yes. Um, she's also. Uh, um, Christina Hodson is of Taiwanese and English extraction. Mm-hmm. Um, was um, went to school in, uh, in in England, and she's got all these other credits outside of screenwriting. So she's bringing some world experience to this. This is not just another film school graduate. Um, nothing wrong with that, but you know, <laughs> um, it's I, th- I think it, it helps bring something to the mix when they've got some experience outside. Uh, and she is known. Uh, that's um, Christina Hodson. She's known for working on um, female centric sort of projects, mm. and so she's been sort of tapped for that. Um, she was going to write a, a uh, she's going to write a Barbara Gordon Batgirl film. Um, so she's in there. She's worked on um, The Flash Well, uh, she's going to work movie. on the upcoming Flash, which is coming out yeah. in 2022 as a writer, mm-hmm. um, when it looks like that's going to be directed by Andy Muschietti, who mm. did the It Chapter 1 and Chapter 2. So that Isn't intrigues it? me. To start, to, to open up um, things with this one, it's, uh, the story is that Harley Quinn and the Joker have parted company mm. in their, their toxic relationship has been dissolved, yes. so to speak. Now, Harley's on the rebound, but she's not looking for love. She's looking for herself. Mm. She's not quite sure how to be on her own. And look, no. we've all been there. Yes. So she's just figuring it out, but in a much more violent way than many of us would. She wants to try and figure out exactly what kind of straight jacket she wants to wear that doesn't match. <laughs> Puddins. <laughs> and then there's only so far that her reputation as the Joker's girlfriend can take her once word gets out that she's now by herself. Mm. There's a lot of people who have grudges against her. Yes. And she's not under the Joker's weird wing anymore. Uh, but she is her own one-woman catastrophe. And she's deadly on her own, to she be is. sure. Like, she doesn't need a dude to protect her as much as she thinks she does. Mm. This reminds me of, you know, this reminds me of the Tank Girl movie. Oh, yeah. A long time ago. Um, but this, as if Quentin Tarantino had made it. Yeah, yeah. I think this is firmly positioning itself as a kind of um, finding yourself girl power kind mm. of story. And it's very strongly... L- sort of landing some of those themes around like opposing men's rights activists and things like that. Like there's some pretty clear metaphors that come yes. towards the end of the film. Yes. Um, yeah, they're not messing around trying to, you know, it's anarchic. sneak in a sub-message. A sub no. It's, it's anarchic, uh, freewheeling. 
and it also reminds me a lot of Deadpool. Uh, yes, yes. You know, not quite as I think they pulled back a little, and I did read some criticism that they thought if they'd gone in a bit harder in sort of a more Deadpool R-rated way. Mm-hmm. Um, but I mean, that was their choice. They didn't want to go yeah. full, you know, Deadpool mm. either. So. And this is more of a, a an ensemble film than um, the first Deadpool was. Uh, but it is more like the second Deadpool. Yes, where yeah, there's a little up, crew and all of that. And yeah. They send up kind of the getting together of the ragtag team of misfits. There's a plot about a diamond that everybody wants, particularly the villain. Yes, there's uh, a MacGuffin involved, but it's really not about that. And there's a dogged pursuit by an alcoholic but determined policewoman. Yes. Uh, Rosie Perez. Yeah. Do you remember her from like the old days? The old days. Well, I just remember watching a lot of films with her in it when I was growing up and I didn't know she was still acting. And I was like, I know that voice. She is. Rosie Perez. But, you know, I mean, she's in Gotham PD, which yeah. is where, you, where everyone goes to become corrupt and alcoholic. It also, I, it's so strictly like a template of New York City that when she said GCPD, I was like, oh, that's right. It's not meant to be New York, but it yeah. is New York. Yeah. <laughs> now you've got me because we're talking about this on the during the track. Now you've got me thinking of Brooklyn Nine Nine and wondering, yeah. wondering if there's the equivalent in Gotham City. <laughs> I'm sure there would be. Yeah. We cannot get sidetracked no, by Brooklyn Nine Nine as good as it is. Uh, there are two other women's story arcs that intersect with Harley's yes. in, in the um, in the in the story as well as a as a girl too. So um, okay, we've got Margot Robbie playing Harleen Quinzel. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, she was Jane Porter in The Legend of Tarzan. And uh, Sharon Tate in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. And a movie that I do recommend, um, adapted from a science fiction novel called Z for Zachariah. Mm. Um, she was in that with Chris Pine. Yes. Amongst others. Smaller film. A New Zealand film. Mm. And that is available on DVD too. Mm. Uh, we did that on the show. We did. Okay, so she used to be a psychiatrist. Now she's a villainess. Yes. Um, they cover was, off plenty of this exposition in the film, so you don't need to worry if you haven't yeah, seen any of the other stuff. Yeah, with lots of graphics. Yes. And, and lots of uh, writing on the screen. Yes. And tags. And it's very, it's pretty easy to follow along. They really hold your hand, which is, is yeah. good. It's a pop-in, pop-out movie. Yeah. Because, I mean, she Harley has a lot of, um, now she has a, a lot of uh, time in the DC Universe in, in a very popular character in many animated series. Yeah. You know, as well as having all sorts of other developments, and really, and not not well served by Suicide Squad. No, but she emerged, Margot Robbie. I think if there's possible to emerge with um, gongs from that movie, she gets one. She can hold a movie on her own for sure, and she can. She's. She, I think she's just a very great mm. performer. I like watching her do stuff. Mm. She, like kick butt. She's she's note imperfect for um, Harley. Yeah, she just she just owns that role. Yeah, she does. She's got the the physicality for it. Um, she does the stunts well. I did like that. I mean, all the women get an opportunity to do some stunt work. There's mm. a bit of action. And I like that they all look like they could actually, you know, mm. kick butt. And it always it makes you oh, maybe I want to learn how to kick butt. I could do it. Uh, perhaps not in high heels. No. <laughs> or roller skates. Or roller skates. Although when she did the when she used roller skates, I had a tear in my eye because I'm thinking, oh, look, we've got a, we've got um, Black Canary who can sing. We've got a roller skating fighter. This, put them together, and you've got Dazzler from Marvel. <laughs> oh. No Marvel. <laughs> no Marvel. DC. Okay, DC. Uh, all right. So we've got um, Mary Elizabeth Winstead playing 
the Huntress. The crossbow killer. The crossbow killer, <laughs> uh, which is a great little gag. We've seen her before in True Calling, in Sky High. Mm. Um, she's a scream queen in all of those movies. She's um, in Final Destination yeah. 5 or 3 or one of those. Number 3. Number 3. Uh, Black Christmas in 2006. Scott Pilgrim. Scott Pilgrim, which is a superhero movie, technically speaking. Well, it, yeah, yeah, it is. Um, and, she, of course, she's Lucy Gennaro McLean. In, yes. In Live Free or Die Hard. Yes. Uh, and in the supernatural drama series The Return and in our most famous, our most favourite series, uh, Brain Dead. Yes. Rob and I love Brain Dead. Yeah. And we always talk about it whenever she comes as, up. As living examples of that title. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and, um, of course, she was in Gemini Man too mm, recently. Mm, yes, Gemini Man. And here she is playing the crossbow killer, yeah. a, a, a vigilante. Which is just, you know, a cool kick butt. Assassin, vengeance, mm. seeker, basically. Mm. And, and I'm willing to watch her in anything as long as she gives me the side eye. Yeah. Her trademark, <laughs> her trademark facial expressions. expression. Um, actually, you know what? I don't think I've seen Rosie Perez in too many things. Really? Yeah. You never saw the Nick Cage rom-com, It Could Happen to You? No. <laughs> or White Men Can't Jump? No. Oh, okay. Is she good in those? <laughs> um, she is good. At playing Rosie Perez in a yeah. movie, yes. Well, she, um, she's playing Renee Montoya, mm. and this is a aforementioned police police. Uh, yeah, detective. another another deep cut on DC's history. You know, she's been around for a, quite a long time, not as long as Jim Gordon, of mm. course, but you know, been there for a, a long time. It's, it's interesting seeing her latest sort of um, development. In this, I think she, I think she acquits herself well in a role that could have been a thankless one yeah. next to the super-powered, um, well, you know, the super-vigilantes yeah. that the other people are. Um, almost reminds me a bit of um, some of the other roles that the, they've created in DC for just that sort of yes, yeah, yeah. character. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Anyway. I mean, I think she's a very good – she's a very easy way to show the idea of a woman working in a man's world. Like mm. – that character is sort of just a good way of showing, you know, the thankless task of, you know, such things being police and not getting the credit you deserve or not getting listened to, all that kind of thing. I think none of these characters are particularly deep, mm. <laughs> but that doesn't mean they don't work in their own way, I guess. Oh, and she's also gay too. She has a, in the film, yeah, yes, in the yes. film. Um, I just mentioned that because it's 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 representation. And yeah. some of the some of the exposition, I think I must have missed that. Yeah, there's a lot of talking and there's a bit of. Riffraff and whatnot. Her her ex girlfriend is, uh, of course, it's not a happy relationship no. because she's alcoholic. There has to be all this sort of stuff. Um, her ex girlfriend is played by um, Ali Wong, and mm. she is the Gotham City District Attorney. Yes, so, I love Ali Wong. Yeah. Uh, anyway, um, they are all pitted against. Uh, oh, I forgot. I forgot Black Canary, didn't I? How dare you? How she's dare she's I? pretty great. Yeah. She's and she's obviously a, a known quantity in the universe. Mm. Uh, and I've totally lost her name. Uh, she has a really cool long name. Her name is... Diane... No, she's the daughter of the original Black Canary. Uh, it's, it's yeah, Diane, Diana Lance, Black Canary. Mm. Uh, Journey Smollett-Bell. Yes, yeah. Is the actress in this jo- one. Yeah, Journey Smollett-Bell. Mm. And she actually said that... Um, She'd been playing the Black Canary character in one of the, the um, DC games. Oh, yeah. And she based her character's stance, particularly um, fighting stance, upon the video game character that she played. And I can see that. I've seen it before in True Blood too, by oh, the way. Oh, yeah. 
you know, so she's had a few of those sorts of um, uh, of roles that puts her in good stead for this one. Uh, and and of course, there's a, a young girl in this um, um, Ella J. Basco playing Cassandra Kane, mm. um, and she's basically a pickpocket. Yes. She's got to do what she got to do to survive in the world, Rob. Yeah, Foster kid, out in the city. No one cares for her. Yeah, you know, and she'll become Catwoman someday. No, she won't. <laughs> no, Cassandra Kane actually, I'm sure, because, okay, the, the DC stuff isn't my um, particular kettle of fish. I'm sure that, uh, even with Aquaman, I'm sure that Cassandra Kane is a character who does appear Mm-mm-mm. before, and this might be just a new variation. Cassandra Kane goes by the name of Orphan in DC Comics' current. Thing. There you go. One of several who have assumed the role of Batgirl. So we have Ewan McGregor playing the villain Black Mask, and his sidekick is played by. Um, oh yeah, that dude. I've that seen dude. that dude. Yeah, with the 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 sort of the 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 flat top sort of yeah hair. Actually, what is he from? Um, He's very very familiar. To not me. to me actually. I looked his thing up. That's why I'm. Not... I'm sure it's a weird crime thing or like a weird rom com. Yeah. <laughs> if if you haven't seen it, it's uh. It's Chris Messina playing Victor Zaz. <laughs> what did I see? Now, him and, him and Ewan McGregor are actually a pretty good team up in this as villains go. Ewan McGregor is just wonderful in this. Mm. I'm sorry, but he's a breath of fresh air to me. He's camping it up a bit. He's amazing. Um, he's, he is. He's, he's really a, hitting it. He's hitting every note pretty hard and it works in my opinion. He's another one of these uh, demented nightclub owners. Mm. So popular in Marvel and DC. Yeah. Yeah, open open neck shirt. Yeah, uh, vaguely sinister energy. Awful, awfully suggestive collection of shrunken heads. Yes, exactly. <laughs> weird habits, like kind of weird. Uh... Complete narcissist. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, yes, we're really cut and paste with a lot of these things, but that's fine. That's all right. Uh, I think I think they do as much as they could be expected to do with a role, yeah. and that's pretty actually a lot. No, I think I think he did a fine job. So let's let's have a track from this uh, movie. And I think we will go with uh, the fantabulous emancipation of one Harley Quinn. And this is from the uh, Daniel Pemberton soundtrack of Birds of Prey. Da, 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 da. <laughs> this is Neil Gaiman in the dangerous alphabet zero. G comes last. Z waits alone and it's not for a thing. Hmm. The fantabulous... Emancipation of one Harley Quinn. Mm. It has a good pop soundtrack too, I will shout out. Yes. And I do think Barracuda is the kicking butt track of choice for almost all movies, which I'm fine with. The track that I remember the most from the film, which I'm not going to spoil, is um, is one from a classic uh, um, Hollywood actress's um, career from another movie. Okay. And it's like a fantasy sequence sort of thing. Ah, uh, yes. Yeah, and I that love was weird. That. Yeah, but I <laughs> There's love some weird it. stuff. Not it, lie. it was perfect. <laughs> yeah, so we're talking about the uh, the Harley Quinn movie. Yes, we've, Birds we've, of Prey. We've set the the stage. We've told you who's in it. Mm. Um, I think it's a, I think it's a, a fun film. It was. It was a lot of fun. It and I mean for me, it was exactly what it said on the label. Like I picked it up off the shelf. The price was fine. I bought it. I opened it, and it was exactly what I expected. No more, but no less. I actually had um, uh, lower expectations for it, and it actually exceeded the expectations. Okay, yeah. Uh, I put this now as amongst one of the best of the recent DC movies. Mm. Um, I enjoyed it 
not quite as much as uh, Wonder Woman, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but certainly at least on par with Aquaman. Yeah, sure. Um, and part of that was the production design. I, I really enjoyed the uh, the amusement amusement park set. I yeah, some of the later stuff definitely gave me Bioshock Infinite vibes. There was a lot of fog and like weird statues oh, yeah. and stuff. Yeah, yeah. Um, but that's Gotham. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I shouldn't be that surprised. That's classic. I? Awesome. <laughs> um, yeah, there was some definite cool stuff, and I think it wasn't really throwing out any. The story is very, very, very simple, mm. but that's kind of the whole point as well. I didn't, I didn't mind some of the fourth wall talking, mixing up the narrative, unreliable narr- narrator, kind of weird timeline stuff. I liked that. I don't think there was too much of it. The fight scenes were also very good. I will say the there's a lot of kneecaps getting turned inside out, which is disgusting. But yeah, shout out to John Valera, the fight coordinator. The fight stuff was really good and I think pretty interesting. I think sometimes there's a tendency to just fall back on sort of old tropes of, of how to choreograph this kind of thing and I thought it was pretty cool. It used the environment well. Mm. Yeah, that, it, it, that's actually a, a kind of a, a faux martial arts Thing, isn't it? You have to make sure that everything that is there mm. uh, in that very well-designed place yes. or, or places yeah. uh, does does serve a purpose within the fight. And they do that magnificently. There's only a couple of times where um, it looked like blows didn't land. Yeah, and, sure. And, and it looked a little bit too choreographed. Yes. Um, yeah. But that's all right. There's actually a lot of... Uh, <laughs> form for that in the in the Batman universe, especially the old um, Batman series from the sixties, you know. So there's a little bit like that, and there was one little charming moment. Um, you know, there's usually a moment in uh, ensemble bloke f- superhero fight movies where someone helps somebody else out. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and there's a moment where yeah. one of them helps out them. one of the other. You know the yeah, moment. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, won't spoil it. Um, but that actually suited the characters. I think so too, and I think it doesn't diminish the. The point that's being made around, like, these yeah. chicks can do it on their own kind of thing. And I can call them chicks because I am one. Um, but I also <laughs> okay. I also think that, yeah, I think that it it was it was original, but it also wasn't trying to do too much in terms mm. of some of the fight stuff. Um, yeah. I dug it. And it wasn't too hard to follow. Sometimes some of the camera work, you can be a bit like, who's punching who, what's going on. I didn't really have that problem with this, which is nice. No, it's very clean, isn't it? Yeah, it was good. As as a superhero movie buff, I, I felt this um, this this uh, accredited itself well. You know? Yeah, they acquitted itself well. They 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 did everything that I wanted them to do, uh, and the Harley Quinn character is very much off kilter, and she's uh, still and not quite as anti-hero as she could be. I don't think. Yeah, not in the Deadpool. Kind yeah, of, yeah, and I, I also think that she's probably, you know, she talks a lot about being a terrible person, but she's she doesn't really play it that much. I think there could be more grey, but I also get that we're not trying to make it, it's not meant to be that wrought with angst or anything. Like, it's yeah. meant to be fun. <laughs> yeah, and it is. It is. The, you know, I I would um, collect the DVD one day if it came out. <laughs> uh, and, 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 you know, really being amongst the top of the DC movies is not a bad thing. Mm. But once again, it does make me wonder what they're doing with their mainstream stuff. It'll be interesting to see how James Gunn tackles the Suicide Squad, the next yes. one. Um, 
however that turns out. Mm. I mean, and I think we're all looking forward to Wonder Woman 1984. Yes. This is a jokerless movie too, except for some yeah. sequences which clearly they've used footage from Suicide Squad. Yeah, or, or some dude, the back of his head or whatever. Yeah, or, or, or a bit of CGI. I would have been shocked if he'd turned up in this. I don't think anyone's expecting Jared Leto to make a cameo here. There's a poster of um, Boomerang on, yeah, there on the is. wall <laughs> yeah. at some stage. And, and you know, just... Running back to the set, which so impressed me of the, the amusement park or whatever it was, um, um, Harley's own personal sort of lair, mm. um, which is not, you know, the usual sort of DC supervillain yeah, yeah. thematically complicated, mm. vast underground palace. It's just a room above a shop. Yeah. <laughs> and, and But it's well decorated and I love a pet. Yeah, same. They did miss a beat with that pet though. They're is a nasty habit that um, that particular type of pet has of chewing up certain parts of human anatomy. <laughs> and it would have been thematically in tune with the uh, – <laughs> I don't know. I don't want to go in with that. I'm not going to go anywhere with that. Anyway, we'll go back to um, uh, our thoughts about this movie in terms of yeah, nah, maybe, the zero-G scale. Mm, I'm a yeah. Yeah, I'm a I'm yeah. not a strong yeah. Mm. I enjoyed it a lot. I don't think it's – wasn't groundbreaking for me, mm. but I had fun. Mm. In terms of where it stands in um, uh, female fighting ensemble films, of which mm. there are now many, thankfully. I just don't think it was that. And I know it's not meant to be, mm. but things like Captain Marvel, even Wonder Woman, they have some layers. They yeah. have some more. This felt like a bubblegum surface. Mm. And I know that's what it was aiming for. And I think it succeeded. But there wasn't much going on underneath the candy coating, in my mind. Mm. I need a little bit more. I need a little bit more. Okay. Uh, that's that's my take on it. But what's your... I think I, I'm pretty much in tune with that. I, I, I could see this expanding into a sequel mm. very easily. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, I think they do extremely well. And I wonder if the next one they would actually fight one of the many female villains in Gotham City. It would be nice to, yeah... Maybe work through that theme a bit more in a possible sequel. If memory serves me, and it may not, um, Harley Quinn and uh, Poison Ivy are an oh. item in the DC universe. That could be fun. So they could, and they that's could an go into that. And that's an opportunity to bring in a new character. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'd approve that if I was him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, and it also, I'd seen the trailer for Black Widow just before this, so I'm very excited for that. Oh. And that does look like it's got, you know... We're going to be, that's going to be angsting left and right if I know Black Widow, and I think I do. <laughs> no, yeah, but nobody really knows. No, true. You know, except Black maybe Widow. Hawkeye. Uh, except poor old Hawkeye. <laughs> Anywho. He's got his own television series. He does. He's he fine. Does, you know. Also looking forward to WandaVision, but yeah. I digress. Oh, yes, yes. There's I some digress. good screenshots out if you want to have a look at some of their Absolutely. promo material. Okay. So, Birds of Prey. Mm. So, well yeah. done. Yeah. Hmm. And I move. We move on now to Doctor Who. Yes, two episodes we haven't discussed. Um, episode seven, which of the thirteenth? Sorry, the twelfth season of the thirteenth Doctor. Did we not discuss that? No, no we didn't. We no. ran out. Of Can time. you hear me? Was its, was its title? That's that was right. set in, um, well, partly set in uh, Aleppo and Syria in the fourteenth century. That's right. That's yes. right. Yes, yes, yes. I didn't find this one particularly memorable. No. Well, I forgot we hadn't talked about it. So. Yeah, but it's got some great scenes in it. Um, the bit where, uh, and controversial too, the bit where the doctors. Awkwardly discussing Graham's cancer mm. with him. 
and and she you can see that she doesn't quite know where to go with that. So the yeah. doctor is less than adept at that particular type of yes. conversation. Well, it's not necessarily when you can regenerate. It's not really something you. But when you're a doctor, <laughs> not that kind of doctor. <laughs> doctor the doctor of would time say. and space. Yeah, and, and um, that was a, a pretty strong deep cut too. That story it had um, two elder god characters, mm. um, and one of them is a. Uh, it may be that one of them's a guardian, mm-hmm. and that's a very deep Doctor Who cut. Okay. Um, and also they mention the toy maker as well. Again, something mm. very much echoing from it's a the... a bit of setup happening. Yeah, there's stuff happening there in the background. I did also sense some possible setup with Ryan, and you mentioned that that actor has received another offer to star in a TV show. Mm. So in all fairness, I get it if he wants to go do that, but mm. maybe prepping for... His time. I think one of the, the yes, that's true. That, you know, and essentially, since they are going to be running into the Cybermen at the end of this season, mm. that's a big. You know, if you want to shed characters, that's, that's <laughs> one of those characters. things. That's one of the things. Just where, exfoliate them off. <laughs> yeah, basically. Um, yes. Yeah, so uh, the one the thing about the, this episode that I, I did like that they it's it set up to tell you the individual nightmares of each of the companions and yes. the Doctor. Nothing uh, wildly surprising, to be honest. Nothing surprising, but they followed through on the consequences yeah. of that. And I thought that was a class act. Yeah, I agree. Even more classier was the haunting of Villa Diotardi. Diotardi? I don't know, actually. Uh, which was set in 1819 mm. in that famous villa by the lake in uh, Geneva. Mm. Um, well, the lake in Switzerland. It's called Lake Geneva, I think. Um and it had that famous assemblage of great writers. Ah, yes. You know, so this is this is where the legend. This is where Frankenstein was born on one dark and stormy night. Excellent. <laughs> mm. It's a very gossipy uh, sort of group there. Yeah. Um, not exactly what you think. <laughs> and it, enter the Doctor and companions. Yeah. And we get a whole oh, witch's brew of of a storyline there that beautifully blends in the element of the Cybermen um, because the Cybermen are Frankenstein's monster, Mm. essentially. Uh, And, you know, it's art imitating art imitating art and so you go full circle there. Gosh. Uh, There's some actually genuinely creepy stuff in the story. Yep. Yeah, it scared me. (laughs) Places. Um, And I was wondering if Ryan was going to be for the chop in this story too. (laughs) For the choppy, yeah. You know, at one moment the Doctor's – Mindset is beginning to infect my brain. Well, probably has a, a long time ago, you know, because it's like Shelley in the chalet. It's like the Jadoon on the moon by the lagoon or something. <laughs> and I loved it when the doctor picked up a, uh, uh, looked like a, a, a Hussar's um, or a Curiosa's helmet from Waterloo, from the Battle of Waterloo, and puts it on. Well, I love a good plume, she says. <laughs> and she wouldn't put it down. <laughs> oh, dear. And, and some genuinely. Um, Affecting stuff in this. This was a story where they'd kill people off left, right and centre. Uh, I didn't see anyone get um, upgraded into a Cyberman in it, though. I think they were all inferior. Well, yeah. Because that's a whole Borg thing that they, they have running. And we're getting we're getting bits from those um, previous episodes, Captain Jack's warnings. Yes, all starting to come together. How many more episodes? Uh, well, we were at episode eight now, I think. I think that sounds right. Yeah, yeah and they're coming up to finales and stuff. So. Yeah, so we're getting to Endgame, I think. Endgame. Endgame. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and um, I thought the new look Cyberman was great. Mm. That was scary. You know, 
these these and it was broken and that's even scarier what is the old one look actually like? speaking of, of end game one of the lines that the cyberman had was we are inevitable oh <laughs> and i had wished that the doctor was going to snap her fingers but this does not <laughs> happen so yeah lots of signs and portents but really a strong episode that that combined um history a twist on history mm-hmm, mm-hmm. um a, 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 a strong character in um mary shelley um oh, just just and and you know the despicable lord byron Oops, <laughs> <just> yeah <laughs> So, you History's know, greatest player. It was as good as any of the um, classic historical episodes I've seen. In a way, it reminded me of some of those Tom Baker ones mm. uh, when they decided to do Hammer House of Horror episodes. Ooh, yeah. Uh, and, you know, I, I just think it's, it was a very strong story and it will set up well for the rest of the season. Because there's been a few dip episodes for sure. Sure. Um, I often wonder about that. You know, I, I look back at the long history of Doctor Who and I can remember many dip episodes during yeah. seasons. Yeah, and to be fair... I was there. I saw them. Not bad. You can't be, you know, you can't be 100 all the time. No. You know, if it was like one of the John, uh, John Pertwee's season, every episode would have the master revealing himself from beneath a rubber mask. <laughs> you know? So, yeah. yeah. Anyway, that's the latest in the Doctor Who, and they're mm. coming up towards the end of that season. Yes, now. rolling forward. They have Chris Chibnall, the showrunner, has said that they're going to do it, and that there will be a new season in twenty twenty one. Okay, just not when. Yes, wow. Well. So December thirty first or yeah, whatever. That's yeah, that's technically twenty twenty one. Ah, well. All right, so um, we will go out today. Zero G, and it's gone very quickly. It has. It has. Um, with an ep- uh, with uh, a nod to uh, Mr. David Bowie, mm-hmm. and who was actually on the list to play the Joker in Tim Burton's Batman. Oh, imagine that! That would have been really it good. It would have been great. And of course, Jared Leto actually says that he used David Bowie as an inspiration for the style of his Joker. He must just be really annoyed that he hasn't got an Oscar through his turn as a Joker, and yet two other Jokers have yeah, been awarded. Yeah, you know, we'll just be better, Jared. He'll be just, just be like. Be better. That Joker who was like in between. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That yeah. guy. Yeah. Anywho. Anywho. Uh, all right, that's that's it for Zero G yeah. for today. And thank you, Megan. Thank you, Rob. And we'll go out with Mr. Bowie with I am I'm deranged. <laughs> A nod to Harley Quinn. G'day, this is Rob Jan. Thanks for listening to the podcast at Triple R Zero G, a weekly radio show exploring science fiction, fantasy, and historical. Zero G is broadcast live on Triple R from Melbourne, Australia, every Monday. Hope you enjoy the podcast and feel free to get in touch with us via our Facebook page or the Triple R website.